It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and <laughs> recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 25 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes, and I'm going to toss it over here to my pink Whitney bartending co-host on my left, Nick Manella. What's going on, bud? What's up? Great drink, by the way. Thank you. Give everyone your little life hack that you taught me over the weekend. Oh, yeah. So, uh... You know, as if we don't love slugging Pink Whitney enough, we found a better way to consume it. So I took my Nutribullet, put a bunch of Whitney in there with a bunch of ice, pink lemonade, and just blend that. You can top it with, you know, soda water if you want to. But, I mean, how phenomenal was that? Like, it was like going to 7-Eleven and having a slushy. Yeah. It was oh, delicious. My, and, like, I mean, it just tastes like a pink lemonade slushy. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and yes, for those of you asking when I was indulging in that, yes, it was during the thrashing of the Pittsburgh Penguins that the Washington Capitals put on display. I have gotten enough shit talk from all of you already, so I appreciate your uh, concern, if you will. I, uh, I thought the cool thing was that that was actually the first Caps-Penguins game that you and I have watched in the same room together yes yeah uh, it just wasn't it wasn't all that exciting in my opinion it, i mean it was for me well but, yeah <laughs> and it i was kind of quiet during the whole thing right. and kind of tried to avoid watching it at all right. costs so um yeah that happened uh we'll get into that a little bit later but before we get started we have an interview this episode uh we were lucky enough to be joined by my former coach uh former former baltimore stars head coach and MSJ uh, Varsity 2 squad assistant coach. Uh, he was also an alumni of Mount St. Joe's Varsity hockey team himself and a Howard Husky. Uh, we have Coach Tim Moran on the podcast for this episode. Awesome interview. <clears throat> Great time. Uh, he came in on Saturday afternoon before the game started, uh, sat down with us. I hadn't seen him in probably eight years, uh, but he saw some of the guests that we had on and I guess saw some of the Facebook stuff that I was sharing. So he was interested in coming on and, you know, it just kind of goes to show you how hockey kind of just unites people at any time in their lives because the most recent Facebook message I had from him was from 2011. <laughs> yeah, it's just cool because it shows how tight-knit the community is in this area. Yes, and he touches on that a lot. Yes. And how it's evolved since, you know, he was a teenager and in high school age. So I highly recommend if you're a Baltimore Stars alumni, this is going to be uh, a lot of familiar names that are brought up that I think you will find uh, very interesting and funny as well. And he also gives some great perspective on what it's like to be a young coach without a kid on a team in today's day and age with the crazy parents, it seems, everywhere For sure. left and right. And to just coach younger kids, which I feel like is... Exactly. That can definitely be a challenge. As an unbiased third party, yes. Yes. So, great interview. Uh, really insightful. And like I said, if you you know uh, know a lot of guys who are in the Baltimore organization growing up, uh, it's a great interview, and all you MSJ alums, you'll probably find it pretty interesting as well. Uh, so we will get to that later, but for right now, we are going to uh, give you guys a heads up that we did drop new merchandise over the weekend. Uh, we made some posts on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, blew it all up. You're probably sick of me talking about it now, but 
we got three or four new designs up. We got the uh, Willy Willy shirt for all you Tom Wilson fans. Don't know why they exist. Uh, all you Islanders fans, Dean, I'm looking at you. Nice. All my Rangers fans, Bark, I'm looking at you. Uh, get all your Tonys, all your Vinnies. Get them all purchasing. Uh, all funds, you know, help us get to do cooler shit. And for, you know, some upcoming playoff ideas we have, anything and everything is appreciated. Absolutely. Uh, and you actually made a fourth design that I think was created a little after I made that post, if you want to touch on what that is. Yeah, it's just, you know, the simple design with the cross sticks and, like, our name on it. Very simple if you're not into the more flashy stuff. So right. uh, it comes in a ton of colors, so it's a little bit more personal to each and everyone's team and, I don't know, mood, whatever you're feeling that day. So go check those out, and uh, we appreciate the support. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's hop into the league news. Nick, I'm going to let you drive the bus here. So starting off on a little bit of a sadder note this week, uh, the Montreal Canadiens, the NHL, and the entire hockey world were saddened by the passing of hockey legend Henri Richard. He was 84 years old. Is that how you spell Henri? Yes. Holy shit. Uh, Not so, Henry. No. Okay. Uh, Henri was the younger brother of the legend Maurice Rocket Richard. Uh, he was nicknamed the Pocket Rocket because he was his little brother. Uh, Henri Richard had 1,046 <laughs> points in uh, 1,259 NHL games and won an NHL record 11 Stanley Cups. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, that's the that most good? by a player of all time. Yes, and that will probably never be touched. I don't think so. So uh, the Bill Russell of hockey, if you yes, will. Yes, for sure. Most championships. I think Bill Russell had 11 as well. My so. question is, it's like, you know, you could fit, like, obviously, you know, this is like, it's sad, you know, he had a great career, great life, and just an unbelievable playmaker when he was playing, for, you know, from what I've heard. I wasn't around to see any of that, of course. Oh, but you weren't? No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> unless I've been like reincarnated or something. But well, you never know, crazier things have happened. My question is, what do you do with the 11th ring? Because you could fit 10 on your hands, but like, what do you do with the 11th one? You ever heard the Rick... Ross song yes. about yeah yeah so she's I'm, got diamonds in her mouth because right. I got diamonds on my dick there you go one of those things yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> yep so that I, I don't know maybe the 11th size was a little bit different than the you know good luck getting that one size yeah right. <laughs> like man you got some sausage fingers right. right no it's actually for my sausage right so, yeah <laughs> one of those things uh but anyways moving on he from plugs that. it into the chick's mouth she's like right. like, oh my <laughs> god <laughs> like the announcers the French announcers <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on from that, uh, due that to the sp- yeah due to the spread of the coronavirus, which has already affected the NHL in terms of hockey stick production, uh, the NHL has decided to close off their dressing rooms to all media members until the virus can be contained. Yes, so I believe this is what happens in the playoffs, right? The, it, it goes podium style, or maybe the finals. It goes podium style instead of in the locker room. Yeah, maybe I don't know, like when in the playoffs it starts, but. Yes. Uh, I mean, this is a big deal if it lasts through the duration of it. Well, kind of going off of this note, uh, two things. One, the Connecticut uh, state hockey playoffs have officially been canceled. Wow. Because of the coronavirus. Wow. Um, and there have been several universities across the U.S., Towson University included, yep. who have kind of uh, stopped in-session classes for the time being until, yeah. I don't know, you guys go on spring break and spread it all a little more. So exactly. That's really smart on their part. And there's a chance that I know for a lot of these schools, Towson included, when you know we come back from break, our classes might be remote. 
Like we might be doing them That'd online. Be awesome. I mean, yeah, that would be a win-win for. And me. they act like this is going to stop the spread of the virus when now you're just getting kids in a smaller room together in whatever university right. bar they're going to. So with booze and you yeah, know, other what stuff could go going wrong? On, so. Yeah, bodily fluids aren't exchanged at all. No complaints here. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other note is that uh, Santa Clara County in California. For those of you who are geographically challenged, that is the county that San Jose resides in. And there has been a local ban that the local government has put together on any gatherings of public people that exceed a quantity of 1,000. So the NHL and the Sharks are in a little bit of a pickle because now that there is a local ban on all events that are over 1,000 people, uh, they don't know how they're going to proceed with their home games. So... It is yet to be determined what the quote-unquote appropriate course of action is. I'm getting all of this from Yahoo Sports as I read this. Uh, But there is no plan in place. And it sounds like there is a serious, serious chance, a probably more than likely chance, that the Sharks are going to be playing in an empty arena. Yeah, I just hope that this doesn't, you know, this policy doesn't expand to other teams because I would hate for something like this to happen in the postseason. Yes, that would suck. Um, unfortunately, this doesn't even seem like it's an NHL rule. This is a government rule. Yeah. So I know California, I think, has had more cases than any other state in the in the U.S. so far. So um, I don't know how this will impact things going forward. Uh, I've heard a lot of chatter about how this will impact March Madness, getting a little mm-hmm. off topic, but yeah. that's in a week, yep. right, or two weeks. So yeah. uh, it's just nuts. It, it's, it's literally – driven the world crazy and uh we're not going to get into what our thoughts and opinions are on it but uh as far as it pertains to sports and hockey in particular it sounds like the very near future uh leaking into possibly the playoffs is going to have some teams with empty home arenas yeah which is just terrible and i don't know if you guys have seen but the stick production is definitely an issue uh if you're as nerdy as i am you follow hockey collective on instagram same uh connor mcdavid is using bauer sticks yeah I mean, he's using vapor sticks. He yeah. has a, he's literally CCM's poster boy, yep. and he's using Bauer sticks. So yeah. uh, that should pretty much tell you all you need to know because there ain't no way CCM is giving that the green light unless no, it all needs possible. No, absolutely not. So it's a problem, uh, and it's it's not really getting resolved, and the entire world just seems to, seems to keep shutting down as we you know find out more and there's more cases leaked. Italy's pretty much shut down their borders, so who knows what's going to happen going forward. Yeah. Um, Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner of the NFL or NHL, whatever. The NFL. Yeah. Yeah, the um, NFL. My brain is mush today. <laughs> has informed the teams of the league that the salary cap for next season is going to increase. So as of right now, it's $81.5 million, uh, is the salary cap. It's likely to be between eighty-four and eighty-eight million when it increases. So this is good because uh, the Hurricanes can finally ink David Ayers to that big ticket. That they exactly. Want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Or the Leafs could sign him. So yeah. Well, I guess any other. They should just sign every Zamboni driver out there. That way, they can't get beat by a Zamboni <laughs> driver again. No, this is great for the league. Um, you know, I've heard that it's more likely to be somewhere met in the middle, maybe in the eighty-five range. I think eighty-eight. Mm-hmm. Jumping to eighty-eight is a little too big, too soon. I agree. Um, this will be great for the Maple Leafs. Uh, that's the first thing for that came sure. to my mind. Yeah. I mean, defensively, they need to add a, a blue liner, right. and uh, it's clear that they've had some problems. But this is great for the league, and you know, I am 
staying put until the new United States TV contract gets settled because that is going to change a lot of things and that For gets sure. re-upped, I yeah. believe, next year. Yes. So we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's got pretty big implications for both our teams as well. Yes, and upcoming free agents. Yeah. Uh, and some big names coming up this year. Yeah. Uh, on Sunday, the uh, the NHL on NBC had its first ever game broadcasted by an all-female crew. Kate Scott did the play-by-play. A.J. Malesko was the color analyst, and Kendall Coyne-Schofield was between the glass. I don't know if you caught any of this game. I watched probably a period and a half, and then uh, I fell asleep. It was on at night. I thought it was a great job. I, I thought they killed it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was between the Blackhawks and the Blues. Yes. I watched a little bit of it. There was actually a huge bench brawl. Yes. At the end, or the start of the end of the yeah. second period. A couple good tilts, too. I yeah. know Kajula and Dunn were just yes. launching bombs. My only complaint was that the narration of the fight was not up to the standard par. Other than that, it seemed like a normal broadcast. Right. They were they, It was yeah. flawless. It was effortless. Uh, great job by them, especially since you know they're not journalism majors or TV announcers by trade. They're hockey players, actually. Yeah. Um, so good for them. It yeah. was great. And the NHL is the only sport doing this. So uh, you know everybody else can talk all they want about how much they're trying to empower women, but the NHL is actually doing it. So kudos right. to them. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they bring this crew back to do you know one or multiple playoff games. I wouldn't be surprised if they got a lower coverage series just because, obviously, the big names who are already established are going to get... Like Doc and Eddie are going to go to, you know... They're not going to put them on Toronto-Boston. Yeah. It's going to be Doc or Edzo or something. If they got a, let's say, um, a Dallas versus... Colorado. Yeah, or something like that. That might be a little bit of a smaller thing. Or even if they, like, mix and matched and put... um, like they put Kendall Coyne between the glass. With, yeah, they can mix you know, them in with like right? Kenny Albert and I'll take any you, of them except for Pierre. Right, that's probably in place their, of like Pierre. you know they probably went to him and said like Hey, like guys, you did a or, Hey, ladies, you did a great job. Nice. Do, do you want to um you know do games in the playoffs? And they're probably like Yes, but not with Pierre. <laughs> yeah, and he's not deep throating corn dogs. Right. Sure, right. So, uh, yeah, Pierre sucks. Yeah. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes forward Morgan Geeky, all-time name, by the way, <laughs> scored three points, two goals, and an assist in his first NHL game. And, pussy. and then, and I'm sorry, who was that against? Yeah, it was against us. That's why yeah. he's a pussy. One of them was a garbage time goal, but he did bring his whole family I to the post-game that. interview. That was funny. Hate it, hate him already. All right, doesn't take much for me. Hate the Hurricanes. I know you do too. Yes. But that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah. Uh, sucks it had to come against my team, but. I guess congratulations to him for whatever that's worth right. uh, coming from me. So he will never actually hear this clip, but congratulations, and yeah. I hate you. Well, I feel the same way about this next point. Uh, in the Caps game against the Rangers, Mika Zibanejad had a performance for the ages, scoring five goals, including the overtime winner. That game was, I don't want to say the best game of the year, but it was definitely top three. It was up there for that sure. That was a great game. Yeah. That was just stellar. Um you know, Mika's a Benajad. What can you say? I mean, talk about he how much he has grown as a player and know, a DJ. Yeah, yeah, and a DJ. He's a DJ apparently. as well. For yeah. all those of you who don't know, uh, I don't know what his DJ name is, but we'll put that out there yeah. at some point this week. Uh, but I mean, just like you know, coming over from Ottawa, where he was kind of, eh, uh, you know, people were kind of not sure like what his 
you know, how he was going to pan out. He was a high, he was a top 10 pick. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, monster overtime goal in the world juniors for Sweden. You know, everyone was like, this kid can be great. He's not there yet. Yeah. You know, I know Ottawa got shit for taking him that high and then they kind of gave him away mm-hmm. to New York. So, well, it was for Broussard and the, yeah, the, what, what was the draft? I know the draft pick eventually became Tony D'Angelo. Yes. But yeah. I don't know so, what, if it was a second round or what. I Ottawa just continuing to make just terrible moves. But yeah, and the thing with Mika is not only is he a powerhouse offensively as he's proving, but he was always kind of early in his career known as a two way guy. He was pesty. He could, you know, he would get in scraps. He would play hard, yep. nose, two hundred foot game, and now his offensive game is evolving to match that. I mean, he's really becoming a bona fide star yes uh and if he keeps this up for another season or two i think you're going to start putting his name in the breath of superstar absolutely I so completely i'm not agree. putting him there yet no no i don't think i would either but um and then finally we had a very scary situation on the other side of the state on long island uh i said on kudos to me Good i job. was really close to saying in Good but job. i corrected myself yeah. um johnny boychuk was cut in the face by a skate blade took 90 stitches to fix the blade didn't actually cut him in the eyeball but it did cut him on the eyelid and there has been no damage to the eye itself so thank god as reported so thank god that could have gotten ugly um wow that's just what do you think we'll see the day when face masks or cages or fish bowls or whatever you want to call it is mandatory. Yeah, you think? We'll I think we're going to get there at some point. I what just comes hope. first, advertisements on jerseys or fish bowls? Advertisements on jerseys, I think. You think so? Which I'm going to lose my shit when that That's happens. It's going to suck. But, uh, <laughs> that is going to be a horrible day. Uh, and then, well, I lied, so I said finally for that. Nick, I want to get your opinion on this because I was reading this ESPN article by our homeboy Greg Wyshynski, uh, who we seem to always be, you know, very highly give high regards to. I would say it's like three to one, you know, like three things. I'm like, you know, three articles. I'm like, yep, that's great. That's spot on. That's spot on. And then one, I'm like, eh, okay. Yep. So uh, there has been talk in the GM meetings last week about expanding the NHL playoffs and letting more teams in, for lack of a better term. So, you know, with the MLB kind of saying that they want to add two more teams to the mix, the NBA saying they want to shorten their schedule and maybe do a wild card game, the NFL wants to expand it, blah, 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 blah. That's great. Um, But the NHL is somewhat flirting with this idea, even though I think Bettman is kind of against it, which I personally think is a good thing. Uh, But... Basically, what they want to do is you would allow the ninth and 10th seed in and let 10 verse 7 and 8 verse 9 duke it out to see who would then be let into the playoffs. It's like they would play like one game, right? Like a playing game. And the logic behind this is that it's just, it's, it's good for the team's bottom line because it was reported that in 2017, when the Nashville Predators went to the Stanley Cup final, they were making about $1.2 million per home game. Wow. Right? So that was by far the biggest jump in financial gain that the franchise has ever seen in the history. For sure, yeah. So they're hoping that that will help, you know, putting this wild card game in will help the Columbuses, 
or I don't know Arizona, uh, Arizona, make the, more money. The non-traditional markets, you know, get that playoff exposure even if they're not in the top eight immediately. They get that play-in game. Right. They get that buying game. So, do, am I a fan of this? No, I am not. I am not a fan. The only sport that really needs to change anything, I, in my opinion, right? You can blast me all you want. Is baseball? I think. Yeah, but they never few, will. I think yeah. there's too few teams, and I also root for a really shitty team. So, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> really plays a factor <laughs> yeah. too. If you're a Yankees fan, I can understand why you're probably thinking, "Hell no," um, and you suck as a human in general, anyways. Yeah, if you're a Yankees agreed. Fan. So what is your thoughts? I mean, I don't know. I don't think they should expand it. If the NHL is going to change anything about their playoff format, they need to go back to one through eight. Yes. So Nobody – it takes a real diehard to understand how the playoff format works right now. Yeah, I've explained it. um, And nobody gets it. Ari's asked me like 20 times, and I've like tried to explain it, and I got the question yesterday. Not not that that's a bad thing. It's just that's how confusing it is to understand. It is. And I remember, like, I think I was in high school when they changed it. And I remember reading the article with the new rules in it. And I'm like, how in the fuck is this going to work? It doesn't. It's, yeah. It it, it really doesn't make any sense. I get why. They did it to promote the rivalries. Yes. And, you know, obviously, if we get Caps, Pens, or Oilers, Flames... No one's complaining. Leafs, Bruins. It's it's a win-win for everybody. But the other part of this is... You're going to have the best teams not competing in the second and third round. Yes. I mean, at least there's potential for that, yeah. right? So no. uh, I don't think there needs to be any changes. I don't think football needs to be changed. I don't think basketball needs to be changed. Uh, Baseball is the only one that I think could possibly need more teams just because I think postseason baseball is so much better than regular season baseball. I think we need more of it. Yes. In my opinion, so... Uh, my thing yeah. with like, you know, the play in game, baseball does that and it like, yeah, it, it makes for great TV, you know, it makes for a great sporting event for hockey to do that. Like basically having like an 83rd game, you know, of the regular season, yeah. which would be a play in for two teams. I don't know how I feel about that. I think they would have to adjust the rules. Like imagine if that game went to a shootout. Like I know we had that happen. No, I can't. Yeah. Like I we can't. had that happen, what, like six years ago with the Rangers and, and Flyers. Flyers. Yeah. But that was like literally the last game of the year. Yeah. Which it was sucked. cool. It, su- it was cool, but yeah. it sucked. It had to end in a shootout. Like if that, if they have a playing game that ends in a shootout, that's going to cause riots. No, they would have to treat it differently. Yes. I think. You'd have to just keep playoff going. format. Yeah. Playoff format. Uh, and that's about all we have for you guys for catching up for the news around the league. Uh, let's hop into the injury bugs. Nick, I'll let you take over the players who are out. So Nathan McKinnon left the Avs game against the Kings in the third period and did not return, allegedly due to an upper body injury. And as of right now, no further information has been released. Okay, that's not good. This is not good. Uh, if that <clears throat> happens to the Avs, they're absolutely fucked. They're toast. And I've read that it's nothing serious as of an article that was published 35 minutes ago. Okay. It's not expected to be long-term, uh, but still, calls for concern. You don't want them to be dinged up going into the playoffs. Right, or something that could be re-aggravated later. Yeah. Uh, Connor McDavid did miss a game on Monday due to an illness. Coronavirus? Possibly. I was going <laughs> to say, I feel like you can't toss around the world, like the Dude, word illness right the now. The Edmonton yeah. Oilers Twitter comments were... <laughs> like, you want to talk like most ridiculous so fan bases, it's got to be the Leafs and the Oilers fans. Someone someone renamed it um, 
the Connor virus. That's funny. And I was like, you guys are imagine that he has the coronavirus. Like just the, like play with me for a second. Right. He has the coronavirus. The Oilers miss the playoffs. And then somehow Dreisidel like gets the fucking virus because him and Connor are best friends. Right. And then the Oilers just go up in flames and the whole city burns down. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we could be, all dream. That'd be terrible. <laughs> uh so I'm I haven't heard anything else from that making me think it would be something, you know, serious. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably just, you know, nagging him and yeah. they made the call to just sit him for it. Uh, Will Butcher of the New Jersey Devils will be out for three to four months after undergoing surgery to repair torn thumb ligaments. Yikes. That's not fun. That's rough. I mean, not that it affects the Devils in any way, shape, or form. No, but three out, to four months. I mean, we're starting. He's a good young prospect. Yeah. yeah, that's an injury that could potentially, you know, hamper him come training camp right. if it's not healed properly. Yep. Uh, Brett Pesci of the Carolina Hurricanes is <sighs> out for the season after undergoing shoulder surgery. Underrated injury. You never want to lose any defenseman, let alone for a top sure. four defenseman yep. going into the playoffs yeah. and making a push. Uh, and then James Van Riemsdyk suffered a broken hand in the game against the Caps. How long is his time frame? Did you? Know? I haven't seen anything, okay. which I'm sure as of right now yeah, they're a broken just, hand. It's got to be. It's got to be at least week six, to week. So, yeah, you know. I would say a month at least. Yeah. Even so, that's not good. But I don't know how you play with a broken hand. No. And uh, adding on to that, Nick Bukestad of the Pittsburgh Penguins, aka the literal literal human injury bug, is out. Week to week with a lower body injury. I hope he never comes back, and I hope his career is over. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, players returning from injury. Uh, we got Morgan Riley coming back tonight, Tuesday, March 10th, uh, returning against the Lightning. Big boost for the Leafs and big boost for their blue line. They have sorely missed him. I've always said that he's probably their most important player because the guy who's on the ice the most is going to have – Probably the biggest impact on the game, and he definitely leads the team in ice time. Absolutely. And uh, Muzzin's out, so. Yeah, yeah. that's that too. Uh, Brock Besser is scheduled to return to the Vancouver lineup tonight against the Isles. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is now practicing with the team in non-contact jersey. Uh, it's kind of rumored that he will be back sometime next week, uh, maybe even the week after that, but he is now practicing. And Jake Gensel was found not wearing the sling when he was in the injury or up in the uh, booth for the Penguins game the other night. So he's officially got the sling off, no timetable in his return, but that's a huge gain for the Pens. It's terrifying that the Blues have been this good without their best player. Uh, yes. That being said, I think the Blues are due for a choke job. Yeah. And we'll get into that. Like for, a, f- a first round exit. Yeah. We'll, we'll dive Trust me, we are just as excited to do an episode for the playoff preview as you are for yes. us to do it. So we will get into all of that when the time comes. Uh, but before we get on to the who's hot, who's not, State of the Unions, we're going to give that to you guys after the interview. I think it's about time that we toss it off to Coach Tim Moran right now. Enjoy. And we are now welcomed by my former coach, one of my favorite coaches of all time, a Baltimore hockey legend and Mount St. Joe graduate, Tim Moran. Thanks for joining the podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Glad to be here. So it's been about eight years since I've seen you probably at this point. <laughs> Walk down the lobby, pick you up. I mean, pick, you know, pick it up like nothing's ever gone to waste. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. I'm pretty old. I'm, uh, <laughs> I look younger than I am, so most people are like, oh, you're, I'm 35. Uh, are you really? Yeah. Wow. Take this as a compliment. You look like you're 22. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, Do you get ID'd? 
Yes. That's, all, <laughs> see, that's awesome. I feel like that's if you're great. over 30 and you're still getting ID'd, you're, you're like, you're right, winning. I, I got good genes. I did something right. You you're know? winning. Yeah. yeah. My wife looks real young, too. She's 32. Nice. Um, actually saw one of your games a long time ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. And she loves the podcast, so really, loyal wow. listener. That's awesome. We're <laughs> yeah. going, baby. Yeah. We're we're growing. Yeah. So uh, you know, we're just going to ask you a um, couple questions about your coaching career, your playing career, how you got into hockey, all that good stuff. So uh, let's take it from the top. You know, where did you grow up? Uh, you know, how did you get into hockey? Wait, give us all that whole background. Um, so I grew up in Ellicott City, Maryland, and uh, hockey overall in general for me has just kind of been something I lucked into most mm. of the time. Um, both my friends growing up, uh, their dads were from Philly and my dad was from Baltimore. So we sort of looked around like these guys' dads are different than our dads. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my one friend's dad, he started the house program at Columbia, um, the Howard Huskies. We were the blues at first. It was really, really fun. Um, wow. yeah. his name was Bill Martinez. Um, and yeah, he was just a great coach. He was one of those guys who was young. He didn't, he, you know, he was my best friend's dad, but he was probably 30 years old. And right. Just doing it, like, more for the love of the game than, you know. Like, yeah, he had, like, a kid on the team, I'm sure. Yeah. But Yeah, it's cool. Um, when you're a coach, you get ice time, too. Um, and like I was saying, he's really good. Um, when we were in fourth grade, he passed away of lymphoma. Oof. And uh, yeah. all the Howard Huskies, we all came out. We all, you know, did a little honor guard thing. Right. Um, so, like, from a young age, I knew that hockey was sort of a good way to get around traumatic experiences or, you know, like, to be around your friends, which right. I thought was the coolest thing about hockey at first. And then Just the team dynamic? Yeah, it's just, it's fun. It's just, like, what you did. It's yeah. Not, it wasn't what anything weird. But, um, so then, yeah, we became little Huskies and had a pretty, uh, pretty successful, you know, youth it's, hockey career. It's a I great guess. program, yeah. Yeah, we won uh, squirt. Um, two midgets um it was interesting i heard you and timmy talk about the uh tri-city howard uh rivalry mm -hmm. going into peewee year was right when tri-city and howard split so when i heard oh. timmy say that it was a rivalry i was like called that a rivalry yeah we were like you <laughs> yeah. know 12 and we we're starting sizing each other up we're all starting to yeah. like girls we're and all the, starting to hate each other and the hits yeah. you're allowed to hit at that point yeah, yeah. so like, that makes sense I did not know that. So that explains a lot, kind of. Yeah. Okay. And so we were always punching up a little bit at them. But uh, in total, I was thinking, you know, after the Huskies, uh, eight of my friends that I started playing with, we all went to St. Joe together. That's awesome. And we were just like, let's go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, That's the best. There weren't, there weren't many teams back then besides DeMatha. Um, and there was really only Tri-City, the Huskies, or Little Caps. That was what you could play. Right. Um, you guys are really fortunate. It looks awesome now, just the way that youth hockey is structured. Yeah. No, um, it's it's incredible how much it's grown in the last 10, 15 years. Seriously. First uh, yeah. tier two year was my junior year of high school. Mm -hmm. So we were the first, you know, it was sort of like brimming. And I always thought I was just behind. And then I got through high school and, um, yeah, we were the last uh, St. Joe team to win a state championship in 2003. Uh, wow. We wow. never lost an MIA championship. We won the MIA 10 nothing. Um, <laughs> Jesus. and, uh, my teammate, Nick Torrey was celebrating with us from St. Mary's cause we all played club together and he was just yeah. fucking boys and he was just, <laughs> so it was I different then. Um, but I was happy. Um, I like, we used to hate kids from your side of the beltway too. It's worth <laughs> yeah. mentioning St. Joe is not uh, a Towson area school and yeah. not to say anything bad about Towson or anything. But, no, uh, no, no. It's uh it's a known thing. So don't worry. Good. It's yeah. the, the, the feeling is somewhat mutual <laughs> if that makes you feel any better. So I, I get it. It does. Yeah. So how'd the senior year end up playing out? Oh, it was, um, 
I don't know if you guys are old enough, but it was seriously like Varsity Blues. It was like okay. all your little buddies yep. who you all grew up with wearing these same dumb jerseys. And it's probably the best team moment is senior year. We win. Uh, 2003, we beat DeMatha. You know, we take out a rival in front of so many people in those games. And, mm-hmm. um, I hate them too. So I, we can oh, agree, we can agree on them. that. It was yeah. weird. Afterwards, though, we were all cool. Like, we all went to the game together, the Caps game that they give you tickets to. Yeah. And we just got done beating the shit out of each other. And we're just like, hey, that's Steve Friedman. Like, oh, that's James LaCour. What's, let's go say what's right. up, guys. Um, yeah, because I feel like, you know, it's... That's like, hockey culture. Yeah, man. and it was over. You're yeah. not competing against them now. You're kind of, you know, your peers at that point, so... Yeah, yeah it was you cool. got something in common. Yeah, exactly. Or you got a, at least an experience in common that you can relate yeah. to. Yeah, also, like, I'm just kind of, like, saying with good luck. Um, you know, a lot of people, not the greatest, most successful people, look back and go, oh, man, that was so awesome. That was so awesome. Well, like... We're kind of lucky just with our friends in general. Mm-hmm. Um, my junior and senior year, uh, I played with the same line. Same line of Huskies kids I started playing with when I was a squirt. That's so cool. Wow. Um, we won that winter. At, um, the lakes were all frozen. We counted. We played like 48 days of hockey in a row. Just <laughs> us three. Like every practice we went to, we would play all the time. So like it wasn't that we were skilled. It wasn't all that stuff. It's just we were like. You want to shout guys. out the two line mates? Uh, yeah, Pat Riley, <laughs> okay. um, and then uh, my buddy Matt Nedzel. And Matt and I actually, after St. Joe, we went and played at the now defunct Frostburg State University ice hockey program. Oh, oh wow! So I played there for two years. Played lacrosse there for two years. Nice. And uh, and yeah, so what was Frostburg hockey like? I gotta ask. That's rough, bro. Yeah, because <laughs> you guys were bad, or yeah, we were bad, and then just. Frostburg as a region is not a very inspiring well, place. No, that too. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to go to Maryland. I mean, ten or twelve kids I was playing with were, you know, going to Maryland or whatever. And I didn't get into Maryland. I got into those shitty safety schools. I didn't get into Maryland either. So the sweatshirt I'm wearing. Well, I feel like I didn't even bother applying because no, I was like, I well, either. it's in state and I'm a guy, so I'm definitely not going to get into Maryland. Unless you got like a four one, yeah, right. something like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I just want to go play play there but then i stayed around and i was like junior college like this is the worst thing that is possible <laughs> like i'm not playing hockey it's the first time i never had an activity and uh half I can relate. like yeah there's uh athletes all die two deaths they say um but uh so yeah i got a call and it's like hey we really have a frostburg hockey team you want to think about transferring and i did and it was it was very bad <laughs> yeah i was not uh, team player, but it was cool. Got to play with my, you know, my line mate, twenty four seven. I was I was twenty four and he was seven. We just <laughs> <That's sick>. killed people. <laughs> I was gonna say, were you guys just completely ripping it up? Oh yeah, they were bad. I mean, it was ACHD three hockey, so we're playing Radford and you know West Virginia University's third team, and just right. like I was. Not my best self. University. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, all good. Came back to a junior college for a year and played lacrosse. Uh, my coach took me back in. He was kind of the reason, kind of the way I got into coaching. Uh, he was a great coach, and eventually started to work with him while I was finishing up school, and just started looking around like this dude's not much older than me. He's right. I I know what he knows. Yeah. Um, he played for Don Zimmer, um, Zimmerman for UMBC lacrosse, mm-hmm. Hopkins lacrosse. Um, so, yeah, I was finishing up school. I decided I was just done getting the shit beat out of me playing sports, whether it was <laughs> lacrosse or hockey in college. Everybody gets way bigger real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I started uh, I started writing for the sports section in Stevenson and then uh, reading books again, which I found to be a quite enlightening experience. I suggested to the listeners if yeah. you're out there. What, books, uh, check them out. what kind of stuff do you like to read? 
Uh, at the time, I was getting into like classic fiction. Like uh, I just plowed through Ernest Hemingway's back. Sure. And then um, huh. when I was when I was coaching you guys the whole year, I read Ulysses by James Joyce. It's like okay. a seven hundred mm-hmm. plus page book. Yep. Uh, Greg Paris, your teammate, goes, is that the Greek Bible? What is that? <laughs> Greg Paris, future guest of the podcast, what I promise. That? Oh, man. I can't. You know what's sad, man? And I really got to say this. I, my memory, like, some people can pick out certain years of what happened. Like, oh, I was a U14 when this happened or a U16 when that. It all blends into me. And I, I, I hate that I can't remember that stuff. I'm like uh, the record breaker or the – Whatever, whenever there's a memory that's disputed amongst my friends, they're like, all right, I'll call up Timmy. Yeah, because you know, all, cause you know yeah. the day, the time. Some people are like that. Yeah. I, just, I wish I was like that because I had such a fun time playing for you and the teammates I had. And so, unfortunately, some of the memories kind of blend in with, I think, you 18 when you weren't my coach, unfortunately. Uh, and it just, you know, sometimes I get discombobulated, you know, who was where, when, what, and this happened. So we'll get into all that a little later on. Um, so, you know, you kind of just summarized your playing career for us. You know, what would you say was your most fond memory of your playing career, the coolest moment where you were like, that's, that's the moment that people should remember when they say Tim Moran was a hockey player? Uh, just standing up with my friends when we won the championship, just skating the trophy over yeah. uh, to all the St. Joe fans and my friends, and you're just looking at it like, and it all kind of goes to slow-mo. Mm-hmm. Um, that season, I'd say individually. Um, junior year? Or? No, this was senior year. Your senior we year. were. Uh, we went up to a tournament in Westchester. And we played all the Philadelphia area, some of the New Jersey, New York area teams. Yeah, it's um, tough. Malvern and Prep hadn't lost a game in two years, and we're taking them on like the second game. The math is kind of getting their ass beat in this tournament. We're like, wow, looking at each other across the rink, like. Right. Yeah. Which <laughs> is like a whole nother level at that point. Yeah. So they're watching us play Malvern and. Uh, we're tied up with this team who hasn't lost a game. And uh, my buddy Pat Riley threw a pass across, and uh, I scored the game-winning goal against Malvern. Uh, it was the only time I got talked to by a college coach. The Westchester wow. coach came and talked to me. And, That's uh, so cool. Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was like when I was going to the net, I was like, you hold your fucking hand down and yeah. put this away no right. matter what happens. Yeah. We get to the semifinal. We had to play that team again. We beat them again. At their home wow. rink, give them their first two losses, and then we played like the 12th team in the country, uh, Saint something from New York, and they were just kind of nice to us. Like, guys are a sweet story and all, but like, right? Yeah, we do this every day. Yeah. Um, so they handed it to you guys. Yeah, like four to one. Okay. Okay. Well, it's not like yeah. ten. Out. You didn't well, you get said mercy. They, they, you said they were nice too, so they went. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they were. They were pretty good guys. Yeah. So your all. senior year, your high is that your high school team? So yeah. your high your high school team beat a prep school from New Jersey, Philly, wherever, that hadn't lost a game in two years, and you guys handed them two L's yes. in the span of like a week. That's yes. insane. Yeah. And I can attribute to this. So when we, when I was at Carroll, we played, I am going to mess this up. It's either St. Francis or St. Joe's Prep in Philly. I can't remember. St. Joe's. Yeah. We got, we got killed. I mean, we got killed. And I thought we had a pretty good team, right? Like we made a run to the state championship, lost to uh, – Gonzaga but you know we got our asses handed to us so you know for you to say that and that's just a tough gritty area to play in general mostly scumbags too <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> that's just me but yeah. uh so that's an awesome story uh who would you say in your playing career was the best player you played either with or against not involving your coaching career um 
the Maryland State Player of the Year that year was a kid from DeMatha named Bobby Plant, and he was a four-year stud at DeMatha. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was far and away the best in the area. Um, Center, winger, defenseman? He was a, uh, definitely a forward of some kind. Okay. Um, there, that, that team and us, it went off the ice rink. Like, I'm not – they were watching our semifinal game, and my buddy walked by, and this kid's holding a pretzel in the DeMatha jacket – he knocks it out of his hands and is like, we're coming for you pussies next. <laughs> <laughs> There's shit talk going back and forth. Like, you had social media. We, all we had is instant messenger and, like, yeah. cell phones. We were like, right. The IM was blowing up. Right. It was. It was like, uh, fuck that kid. Right. Uh, you want to try to talk to the same girls around the laurel? You know, right. there's a middle area. We're it. competing for girls, competing for her. I, well, I feel it. like that's another unique dynamic because both of those schools are all-boys schools, right? So you're yes. kind of going after the same... It's just a huge Pond cock measurement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. So, um, Bobby Plant, though, all the way. Um, and then two kids I won squirt with, Colin Brumstead and Kyle Keller, were also first team all state. And we were the second team at, yeah. at, for the Huskies. And they, yeah. So, those, those guys easily. But uh, you guys had some players from your time that I got to see play that were just phenomenal players. Yeah. So, I definitely want to uh, hop in in the coaching side of things because obviously that's how you and I got to know each other. Uh, I believe you were my, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Bantam coach for sure. I know that for a fact. You 16 as well, or at least one year of it, I think? No. Um, I Fuck think, me. Sorry, you were close. <laughs> uh, I think, and this was the tough point I had, I think you were on the team where the first year we were with Eric Snyder and we just got the shit beat out of yes. us every game. Yes, and, and Corey Koch. Yeah, I remember that. I love Corey Koch. I, I do too. Um, he, he's close to the all-time uh, Coach Tim team. Yeah. Corey, Corey is right there. Yeah. Um, but uh, So then the next year we, we got to the finals and had one of the – it was definitely the funnest season I had coaching. St. Joe, it was a great year too, but uh, it was awesome. Um, was that the year that we lost to Navy in the championship after we beat Chevy Chase? Yes. Fuck. I can. Yeah, I do remember that because I had the Facebook memory like two days ago. Fun. Fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that that sucked, but um, the best teams don't always win, and I'm not saying that we were the best team or anything, but that was just about as good of a year as uh, as you could have had. Um, yeah. The um, I can remember the play we we basically lost to Navy against. Uh, I let a parent get into my head after we beat Chevy Chase. One of the parents made a complaint about playing time. And I made a decision that I shouldn't have made, and uh, they scored. And our awesome season ended. But uh, another, I guess, silver lining from that year is that we were playing the Chevy Chase team, and I don't know anyone who likes Chevy Chase. No, and they I, were really good. They, they were really they were the best team in the league. Their coach coached Landon, and they were undefeated. And then so was Chevy Chase was undefeated. They were both undefeated, and we beat him in that game. I can't yeah. stand Landon. Yeah, um, me neither. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm happy that the the area hockey's good. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> that year they That's had a nice PC way right? to put it. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, we we beat them. Um, I was watching film of that Landon team to pick up that coach's tendencies, and so we like Damn. made an adjustment. And uh, I I thought, God, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. And and uh, the next season, I saw him at the rink. I started coaching for the Huskies, and he goes, uh, Hey, you're the guy who ended my perfect season. Yeah. I was like, that's nice. enough. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. They had that Isn't kid. that something? That was the greatest game I ever played. Really? That Chevy Chase game. I that, never that would have semi- imagined that you said that. That semi-final that playoff game. No. <laughs> well, no, not the Navy game. The Chevy Chase game. I'll hang my hat on that. Um, it, it, I was 14, I think, right? 
had a good I had a good year. I think that was the year that Teagan Cook and Corey Way were. You know, I love those two. And Teagan, I've messaged Teagan already. He'll come on and all of that because I want to hear his side of it. But I just at the time I just started dating my girlfriend, my first ever girlfriend, first one. <laughs> nice. Right? It's amazing what things can do. Right. <laughs> one month into the relationship, right? Meets my parents while we go to the game. So I was like, te- I was like all kinds of test up. Like yep. I was like, oh. I think I, I I know I had two goals. I don't know if I had an assist or two assists. I'll just say one to not toot my own horn too much here. <laughs> Best game I've ever played, though, and that was one of the most fun wins I've ever had, easily. Good. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the same. So so what? how old were you when you were coaching me at that age? I mean, were you, what, 25? Um, hmm, I don't know. Somewhere around there. You I, couldn't have been older than 26 or 7. No, I think I was probably around 24. Maybe twenty. So I'm a I'm gonna be no, twenty four in August. Okay. It's crazy. No, it was it was like I don't know. It was a it was a shitty year overall in my life. I would say it was okay. like a nobody likes you when you're twenty three type of deal. Yep. <laughs> and then the, I was like, what relatable. The fuck it's this so year sucks. Yeah. Um, twenty three is a shitty age. You're not old enough. You're just, you know whatever. You're in that like weird limbo period. <laughs> yeah. Adult purgatory. Yes. Um, yeah. Pretty much. And yeah. so I was like, what am I gonna? My coach is like, why don't you coach? Um, so yeah, I was probably around twenty four. Damn, you were young. Maybe twenty six. I don't. Yeah. I don't know, but it was a it was a good decision. It was a way to keep uh, just keep a little competitive, but not get beat up too bad. So, what was the biggest challenge that you had being such a young coach? Because I think it's fair to say that when before kids are getting to U16 most of the parents are usually or most of the coaches are usually parents of kids on the team and i can tell you from my experience with you as my coach it was the best breath of fresh air ever because it was finally you know so a, a voice where someone who actually cared about the team and not be- just their own kid well not even that they care about the team because that's their team it's not right. cuz their kids on it. It, okay. it it gives you a whole different level of respect so what was the biggest challenge coaching that young cutting kids yeah mm. it's the worst worst thing um but i love picking teams um you know it was kind of easy like i knew going out um like all right this is what i'm doing i i uh I never felt like I got cut because of politics, but I used to always hear kids say that when they were younger. And I thought like, man, that's this, you know, sports and art, they're supposed to be the places in our culture that are even, you know, yeah. right. They're supposed to be fair in theory. And so I wanted to take every kid I could take as long as they would work hard, only gray, you know, and the kid was <laughs> four foot one. <laughs> and I was like, why would I cut, you know? Yeah. Um, but then just shutting parents out um, a little bit, not it wasn't hard. They bark, hockey parents yeah. especially. Yeah, especially the ones. Uh, well, they're usually affluent too, so yes. they bark. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I didn't want to. Um, I don't say. I'll say it. No, I, I mean it's. It's true. It's, it's an expensive sport, sport yeah, to play. It requires it a lot of money to stay not only invested in it, but if you want to take it to that next level, yeah, you've got to put a lot of money into it. Yeah. Um, a lot of emails. Like, uh, <laughs> I got into it with one dad who was a coach. And this was on your team, one of your teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's like a 26 reply email going back and forth between parents. Wow. And after a while, I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck you want. <laughs> I'm sitting here coaching your kid. Yeah. Like, I'm doing a good job, and I don't know what your problem is. Yeah. This is after several diplomatic emails. And Was yeah. most of the complaints and, like, you know, rantings you got from parents was, was it my kid's not playing enough? Was it that sort of thing? Or was it a mix of... Just um, random asinine requests. 
goalie's parents, and I can understand because I played goalie half the time growing up, and this was a goalie's parent. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, that's harder because you're playing 50% of the games, and right. you don't get to, yeah. you get to sit and watch your friends. And yeah. That sucks. But um, like a lot of parents were like, what can my kid do better? And I'd try to be nice about it and try to be nice about it. And you're like, look, dude, your kid just needs to fucking sack up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> your kid actually just sucks <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> without saying it. He's just got to let his balls drop and just fucking be a man. <laughs> right. Like that's a lot of what um, – when I was your age, uh, my second year of band, and my dad had a brain aneurysm. And I'm going from school to yeah. Johns Hopkins Intensive Care. So when I got to hockey, it was like the place that I could be free. I let out I my aggression. Yeah. Man, I was just happy, as happy as could be to get on the ice. And I wasn't that good before. And then that happened. I was just sort of like uh, like a rumpet. Like yeah. I was just like, fuck everything, man. Yeah. I'm going out here. And uh, and so I was just kind of a, like a late bloomer in that regard. And so I, I never cared the kids about their ability just as long as they tried hard and um and i know that about you parents parents are um you know they're pretty well meaning and um it's just a tough dynamic because right you're 24 you're coaching kids at 14 years old some of them have hit puberty some of them won't even sniff it for another four years yeah. right so that's a whole different factor and then you got parents who are barking at you who are trying to get their kids to play in high school so they're putting pressure on you to give them playing time blah 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 that's a lot to juggle as a 24 year old mm -hmm. there's a there's a pretty easy way to recognize it too it's like well you know uh i won't say his name like, well he might be trying out for the varsity at calvert hall I'm like he might be trying to play third fucking line on my team so i don't give a shit about that <laughs> yeah that i won't mention road. names but i think i know who you're talking about <laughs> exactly. it's yeah. like but he was a great kid you know what i mean so not that bad. Your group of parents were good. Uh, it was a little bit different. My parents, uh, the Huskies kids, like we were, there were a lot of like first year business owners, you know, so it was a lot of okay. like, you better be here. And we were all happy. Our None of our parents were going to the rink. They were growing up in the city and that type of. What's your best memory coaching? Oh, man. Um, definitely the, uh, the, the time we beat Chevy Chase. I mean, really? beating Chevy Chase. That makes my heart feel good. Um, and then um, my first year, I coached Tier 2 varsity at St. Joe, and we beat them at Yeah, that's a good feeling. It's oh always nice to beat them. God. Yeah. It was just like St. Joe hockey was kind of a shit place. And like going in the announcements the next morning, they're like, the whatever, varsity 2 beat them at So that was cool. It was, yeah. It, they're not, you know, mega memories or anything, but that's just It doesn't matter. It's cool. what sticks out to you. Yeah. For what it's worth. Mega memory to me is beating Chevy Chase in my short career that, you know, didn't really take off as much. But, you know, it's still it's still something that I hang my hat on when I look back at what I was able to accomplish, you know, throughout my years. Uh, similar question to before. Who was the best player you coached or coached against? Oh, man. Anything um, stick out? I'll try to start from the beginning. I, I just thought the first team I coached, the first year I coached was Jack Brust's team. You know Jack Brust from Calvert I do, Hall? yeah. Um, nasty shot. If I'm building the all-time team, I'm I'm starting with Jack Bross. Yeah, no, he's, no he's, bullshit. He's sick. Um, but uh, Ryan Click from Calvert Hall he was probably a senior when you were. Um, I either was a freshman or an eighth grader. I yeah. can't remember. So he was good. Tim Good. I was coaching Loyola before I got to St. Joe. Tim Good was a great player. Uh, Pat Powderly. Yep. Oh my. Yeah, he's God. a he's kind of a legend around the area. He's St. Paul's kid. I'm actually going to try to get his younger brother on because I don't know Pat, but I do know Ian. So I'm going to see if I can swing that. I've heard he was like 
the best player in the entire Baltimore area for like a two-year span. <laughs> yes, he was definitely that. Um, that kid, Sam Honest from Landon, um, the year that I was coaching you, he yeah. was a senior, and he's in the Minnesota Wilds. Uh, yeah, I've heard that name you know, tossed around. He's like 5'5 five, five or 5-something, five <laughs> and uh, scored like full six seconds into the state championship game and like the film I was watching, like yeah, he was awesome. Um, and then there were a lot of St. Joe kids who I coached against at first. Uh, I think Frank Cesar, Mark Cesar, maybe. Yep. And then um, – Bruce brought up uh, LeClaire was just – He was sick. Oh and I, I can attest to that because he was the one – I mean, how how long are we removed from that? Probably six years at this point. And I can look at Bruce and I remember the kid that stuck out the most. And he was just effortless skater top to bottom. First word you think is like effortless. Effortless. Um, That's exactly what it is. But he was – yeah, he was great. Um, and then I, I really liked coaching Jack. Uh, Jack was a good player. I liked Drew Summerhoff. Never heard him? of him, but I'll trust you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. So there were some good players around, uh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, and a absolutely. lot of them were coming from your area, which was different than what I was used to. So Yeah, well, and that that's a fair point because Howard's always been a very well-run program, at least in my opinion. As I've never played for them. Some people might have their gripes about it. But traditionally, I think they're a, a good program. Same with Tri-City. But then you kind of go towards the other side of the beltway, mm-hmm. like you say, Right, and then you got <clears throat> Baltimore at Mount Pleasant, right? Not not the nicest rink. No offense. No, it's a barn. It yeah, it is <laughs> yeah, a barn. Yeah, and then you know they build Reisterstown, and that kind of that that's where my neck of the woods was. So that when that rink got built, that kind of helped me, you know, get better and develop. So it, it has grown a lot since shit, even when I was a kid playing. Yeah. So uh, is there um. Is there a coach that stands out to you that you had that you tried to model your coaching style after? Oh, yeah. Um, that one coach I was telling you about, my college lacrosse coach, Sean Burke, who encouraged me to uh, get into coaching. And he was a lot uh, similar to like a Herb Brooks type. Okay. Just, uh, I don't know. I don't. You'd be a good person to ask, Harrison. But um, Timmy Blount one time told me I was like Herb Brooks and Yoda. Okay. Which is... I feel like that's... Big a, speech guy. I feel like that's big a pretty spe- lethal big speech combo. Guy. <laughs> you know, you've got Herb Brooks who's, you know, he might skate you until your legs fall off, but... You know, you have Yoda, who's going to, yeah. you know, be able to psychoanalyze and, like, inspire kids in a different way. I feel like that's a pretty deadly combo for a coach. Yeah. You, you had some killer speeches. I will give you props. Really? You were big into the motivation before the game. I was like, okay, I'll rock with it. It was good. Oh, it was man. good. And Thank here's you. the other thing. The intensity that you brought was good because, and especially nowadays, you were the first coach, and this isn't a bad thing, you were the first coach I had that I actually heard cuss. Thank you. Right? Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I think I was like 12, 13, right? But I needed that because I was going into I was going into high school and I wasn't the best player, but I wasn't the worst player. I was kind of middle tier, you know, at the in the Calvert Hall level. But sticky mitts. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, but the fact that I kind of was used to that intensity that you always used to, you know push on us in practice or in games or even in timeouts or intermissions when we were huddling around the bench, that helped me be more mentally prepared for what the next step was. And I so I can tell you... Like you didn't get completely blindsided exactly. when your coach the next level up is you right. know, either yelling, screaming, cursing, whatever. And he wasn't a parent. And right. that was also the biggest thing for me was he was a coach. Just like when I got to Coward Hall, my coach was a coach. It wasn't yeah. a parent. And I can honestly tell you that you had a huge impact on my development, not only as a hockey player, but just as a teenager getting into like the, the real world, like you kind of understand 
what it's like. So I actually want to say thank you years no later. <laughs> I feel like that, that. that dynamic when you have like a parent coaching a team and then they start to either yell at or discipline other kids, it can get a little weird because then, you know, family members might take it personal. The kid might take it personal. It just yeah. gets weird. Yeah. I mean, you know, not saying there's anything against coaching your kid's team. I mean, eventually I would love to coach no, yeah. my kid's yeah. teams, but. You got to let them run free eventually yeah. though. That, um, I looked at it and I was like, I, I just can't muster that intensity. Hopefully I'll have a, a little kid on the way soon. And if they want to play hockey then they can play hockey, but, uh, that's good to hear. Um, a lot, a lot of people be like, that's so nice what you're doing for the kids. Yeah. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, sure. But also I just want to win. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It, it is nice. And I, I would not deny that, but also like, yeah, we're good as long as your kid fucking four checks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, dude. Um, and I didn't care who it was. I like, uh, total different personalities like Harry Cello. You know, that's like a nip blast from the past name. Um, just uh, so yeah, that was stuff like that. Like you know, like you should not be afraid to go to the next whatever step. I don't know, but um, it was a good way to stay competitive. And parents are okay. So <laughs> what was it okay. like? I want to know what it was it like to coach this guy. Oh god, <laughs> uh, he, he's been telling me all week. He's like, yeah, like you're actually going to hear about you know how I was somewhat decent and like you know, <laughs> contrary to my right, my he's third like, line is, days. You know, back eventually. when I would like lead the league in scoring. So like, I want to know like what's the deal here? What was it like? Uh, I was um, good. I kind of tried to model uh, Harrison's line that he was on after the line that I was on. Okay, and I used to do this a lot with with teams that I, um, you guys just play together. Um, it didn't mean that you were all first line players, but you were the best line on my team, so you were the first line. Um, Tegan and Corey. Yeah, Corey. Like everybody had their jobs on that line. Tegan's a power forward. Harrison, good hands. He could finish in front of the net. He could keep a puck away from somebody at a critical time. I wouldn't want you driving the puck all the way up ice all the time right. because I'd primarily give that to Tegan. Yeah, you fill in. You're the shooter. Right. Corey comes in and does whatever to little. Corey Way, for all who don't know, this kid before he hit puberty, he's taller than me now. But before he hit puberty, he was probably five foot four and would hammer people. Really? Like I mean, lay the wood. Just yeah. like little guy syndrome. Yeah, he, dude, he would lay the lumber on kids, and I loved it. I loved it. He was. I called him my son because he was. He was like two years younger, right? He was the youngest age bracket. He was the smallest kid, but he would throw it around. I yeah. loved him. Yeah, that's how I like to play. Just yeah. uh. I loved Keith Kachuk and Luke Robitaille growing up, okay, which yeah. is a weird mix. It's that like is a, power a very forward. weird mix. And then, so I'd like, like Corey, I'd be like, I'm going to go smash this kid in the corner. But then like, you would take the puck out. You'd be the man to get the puck, make an intelligent, I swear to God, an intelligent decision. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, a couple goals, a couple assists, balanced player. Um, and dude, kids will improve. I don't, if you get better, you're going to, you're going to play and you're yep. eventually going to become good. So, uh, yeah. Harrison, a lot of good good kids on that team. Um, and then the year after I went and did a U16 Huskies AA for, for a spell and then uh, started working for HBO and I was done. Yeah. Um, do you ever get the urge to go back and just kind of do it again? Or would you ever consider coaching again? I think you'd be a – I mean, I know you'd be a good one. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe one day. But, um, okay. but uh, yeah, I mean, it was just something fun to do for a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the team was just good. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm talking about my friends and how I'm trying to model the line after it. It's just like, guys, like, the weird kids on the team are your boys. 
They're the only teammates that you have that are on this team, yeah. which would be like a Yoda thing. Like, right. Do you realize yeah. that you're the only players that get to play with each other? Right. No matter what, right. I have to sit here and do this with you. So right. whatever, if they're weird, if they ask you if you're reading a Greek Bible, <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, dude, great. Everything's good. Just, uh, you know, like I said. Oh, that's such a Greg Paris question. <laughs> I can't wait to get him on. Um, random question. What was your favorite rink to play in? Oh, man. Um, the coolest rink you played in, either one, doesn't matter. Navy used to be, uh, Navy's cool now because they have the D1 set up, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Navy back in the day was played in Dahl Green Hall, which was their mess hall, and uh, it was an open balcony, and there were ships that were, or um, planes and like ships that would hang Damn. from the oh, that's cool. roof, and so we were playing the MIA game there, and uh, you could yell right, I mean, you could hear everything, and wow. uh, I mean, you're on the Naval Academy, it's pretty cool. Um, Laurel had bad ice, but not as bad as Mount Pleasant was just it was horrible. Next level. Horrible. Bad. Um, really bad. It's it's old. I mean, there's no yeah. other way to put it. It's old. So Calvert Hall kid gave me the worst concussion I ever had there. Yeah. Calvert Hall was like they weren't good, but they had ceramic. It was his first year. And eventually um, gonna get him on. <laughs> so uh eventually. They'd play so hard we'd just be like, You guys are fucking garbage. Right. And I'm like about Five feet from the boards, and some kid just absolutely crushed me. Ugh. And uh, so I hate that rink. I, I don't like playing against Ceramic as a player. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's, it's all like, good. Yeah, so. What was that, 2003-ish in that time frame? Because yeah. if they were garbage, it had to be had to be before, like, 2008. That's when they got kind of Yeah. Kinda Timmy good. Blount's older brother was a good goalie. Stefan. He, yeah, uh, he was really good. Great kid, too. My whole family. That was that was another thing that was cool for me about hockey is while I'm not sitting there talking coaching like I'm like, man, one day I want to have a family like like Mr. Blount. You know, he's awesome got guy. um awesome guy, assistant best, coach, best assistant coach I've ever had. Yeah. Um, you and Timmy said like he knew when to push me a little bit. He knew when to be like, hey, call him you could get fi- you could get fiery to put <laughs> <Yeah>. it mildly. <laughs> a little uh, Nate Dog syndrome where he just gets yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can't I can't remember if you were my coach with because. Timmy's coach, Timmy's dad was always assistant coach for as long as I can remember. He would go up the ranks with Timmy as he got older. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can't remember if it was you or F- Coach Frank later on. There was a kid who did like, you know, the celebration where you go on a knee and you sweep the ice into your glove and he like th- he like he like did the snowflake thing and uh as he came by our bench, I I think I think Timmy's dad might have said like, "Hey, don't do that." And the kid just kind of like Flicked him off and like oh. jerked him off, and it was either you or Frank. I can't remember. Lost it. I mean, lost it. I, it you know, Timmy's dad was the one who got fucked off. He's like, "Calm down, it's gonna be okay." Like all this stuff. So uh, you don't have to admit if that was you or not, but that's just a random memory I have of perfect example of Timmy's dad. Sounds a lot like Frank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only time I really get mad, especially at other players, was this kid stepped on a. Stepped on Jack Bruss, sorry, Floor. Um, stepped on Jack Bruss right around the area where men should never be kicked yeah. or anything. Oh. And I, I'd always be the first coach to go out and help kids because my balance is just immaculate. So I'd go <laughs> down there and uh, I like helped him get up or whatever. And I looked across the bench at, at their coach, like made eye contact and just shouted, like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Right. Like, yeah. Discipline your kid. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. You know, whatever. Just make sure kids don't get hurt. You just know. make sure Marcus Vick over there doesn't stomp on my kids' groin again. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. But uh, then, and some Spalding kid talked shit to me one time. It was just not surprising. No. Yeah. Like, what do you? What I like? I've always wanted to know in like that situation. Like, what do you do if like a 
a teenager like barks at you, like what's your reaction going to be to that? Um, well, you know, I've been, I don't remember doing that as a kid or a player, but, uh, a lot of times it's just kind of funny. Like, yeah. All right. Whatever, dude. But, um, call me when your balls drop. (laughs) Kind of. Um, but, uh, if stuff, I don't, I don't know. I just like if th- if that happened right, and then the game went on, and and uh, Harrison laid that kid out. I'd probably walk away toward and be like, "Yeah, keep fucking talking." <laughs> like that. But uh, I think the most devastating selly is uh, if you score, just go skate and line up again. Yeah, that is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't do that. I was too excitable. Yeah. But that was something I would, I was trying to tell kids around that era of coaching. Like, you really want to scare them? Just yeah. act like that's what you're going to do for the rest of the game. Yeah. yeah. So uh, exactly, I'm a big fan of that too. Yeah. <laughs> just. It's great. Um, so yeah. when you were growing up, who was – I mean, you kind of mentioned about Kachuk and uh, Robitaille, but who was your favorite NHL player, and, you know, do you kind of have one now? Um, well, I when I was growing up, Gretzky was just on the Kings, so I was watching – I was looking up to Wayne Gretzky and Larry Bird, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he and Gretzky were close, and he said that before either of them got the puck, they had a – a photograph of what would happen. You know, Harrison's over here, you're over here. Um, so before I got the puck, I tried to make sure I knew where people were. And that was like my first lesson in sports was like develop the passing gene uh, kind of thing. Um, Absolutely. But then, yeah, like Kachuk and um, and Robitaille. And then there was a kid who played, uh, he also coached uh, in the area, still does. His name's Adam Levine. He was a year ahead of me for the Huskies in St. Joe. And I was just trying to rip his moves off. I just we were talking over roof chat the other day, and I was like, I was just a shitty Adam Levine cover band. <laughs> That's all I was trying to do. Um, but uh, McDavid, I mean, it's awesome to watch. Yeah, um, obviously. I I was telling Harrison before the podcast, I had a really bad hip surgery um, right before we beat Russia in the Olympics. So it was four days before that. And um, God, dude, I just. Um, you had the Bo Jackson. Yeah, I had the Bo, Bo Jackson, tore my labrum, broke my hip, Ugh. had microfracture. Ugh. Soupy was the word the surgeon used. Ugh. So like that's two days. Good. That's good. I'm going to puke. That, <laughs> that, that's definitely a medical term, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, so soupy, huh? Yeah, um, like, oh, cool. <laughs> but uh, so I watched that, the Russia game, and like I was completely out of it still from surgery, just shouting. And then like, I'm like, is this real TJ Oshie has now scored four times? You're like, whatever's in this bag is great because this guy has scored four times and I'm just going to keep watching it. <laughs> so like my mom's walking in the room like, what's going on? Are you okay? I was like, get out, get out. You're going to mess this up. Yep. You're going to mess all this up. Yeah. Um, so then Oshie, Oshie's been my boy. Oshie played for the Blues and then we got him for the Caps after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love TJ Oshie. He plays the game the right way. Yeah, for sure. He seems like he would play it like he'd be one of my like that's another thing I liked about coaching. He's like, oh, he'd fit in on my team. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like Oshie's type, like fuck you in the corner, like Corey Way. Yeah, Corey Way was like, you know, yeah, I'll see you in the corner. Well, he was on um, the Men in Blazers show that NBC does the other day, and he was saying how like when he was growing up, he's like, I didn't hit. Like his, he's like, I did not start growing until I was 16. So he was like, Same. I was smaller. He was like, I would just have to run at guys and just, you know, try and knock them over before they knocked me over. Yeah, weird um, superstition. I would try to, right before warmups, I would have my, my one buddy who just started, you know, soft hit in the corner and let the game start. And I'd like look around and see who their biggest guy was and just try to go hit them just to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like you can sit around for two periods and size up, look at a dude. Or you can just be like, fuck it, let's get it over with. Yeah, yeah. let's go. First shift, why not? Um, just like a Band-Aid, rip it off. So, yeah, I was just like Corey, or 5'4", you know, small, last yeah. dude to get 
I didn't hit puberty seeds till like 26, I think. <laughs> uh, who do you give the most credit to for the success you had as not only a player but a coach as well? Uh, um, my Huskies coach, um, Dennis Starlipper. He uh, he was that was my sophomore year. It was right after, like I was saying, my dad had an aneurysm. He was like one of the first coaches. Like, you're doing a good job. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, Come again? <laughs> yeah. So uh, then you played three years of midget. So I played sophomore, junior, and senior year for him. He made me like an assistant captain the first year, and he was an easy person to go get advice from. Uh, you know, it was it was awesome. Dennis Starlper, Sean Burke from uh, that was my lacrosse coach. Mm-hmm. Nelson Burton um, used to run power skating. You know, from yeah, him and Craig Lachlan used to do power uh, skating Sunday nights. I got you. Okay. So okay. Those were some of the better minds I've heard from. Uh, Irv Terwilliger, my St. Joe coach. His son is the coach now, and oh, cool. uh, we That's looked awesome. up to him like. Irvy's got a hot wife. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, I'll sit we at the award banquet, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, like you know, he won like two titles. Like we yeah. all thought he was the man, so that was cool. You know, that's no, that's awesome. Gets it done on and off the sheet. I personally have one last question. I yeah. can't speak for you, but okay. last thing I will ask you: What's the wildest thing that you've witnessed a hockey parent do in your coaching days? Oh God. Give me a moment here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel so like, funny. I mean, you, we, hockey parents are a different breed, and especially when you throw, like, tiger parents into the mix when they're trying to, like, micromanage either the coaching or their own kid. Um, Absolutely. You know, I'm sure they've pulled some ridiculous stuff. All right. Um, all right. So, yeah, I, I almost uh, got into it after the email exchange. We played a game in Reston, and I was just, like, walking up. The, Coach Mike had to walk me away. I was like, oh, fuck. I'm right fucking here. Like, you're a dude. I'm a dude. You can – you right. know right let's do it um but you know i wasn't gladly nothing happened and i shouldn't have got mad about anything anyway um but uh <laughs> hopefully you had a lot of good tournament experiences growing up i think that's one of the funnest places you guys all go to the hotel and we yeah. used to play mini sticks and throw ice at each other and stuff like that yeah uh, absolutely by the end you know the parents are all just f- close friends and um one night they were really all just putting them back and uh two of this one of the single parents like made a move on the other one and the other one's mom turns and kicked this dude in the balls so hard he was like red skins burgundy in the face oh and shit. Uh, we still laugh about it uh i was at the kid we were all at the wedding together you know we're all still like you know. yeah and wow. all right so further me and that kid wind up living at the beach or, you know, surfing every day together. And his dad's like my dad at this point, pretty much. And one time some, some fraternity guys came up to us and they were hassling us and, and my buddy's girlfriend and it got to it. And we got into a fight with a fraternity with my friend's dad, and my friend, and we beat the shit out of these guys. <laughs> it was the last physical altercation I was in. And it was like with my friend's dad, yeah. you know, my right. hockey dad, yeah. like he used to be the guy who was like, Hey, good game today. Yeah. And then like we're Absolutely. exchanging. Like, hey, let's fuck these assholes up. Yeah, they were being so disrespectful and they were just drunk fraternity guys and so that Yeah, they suck. They're, yeah, they're terrible people. There's not there aren't a whole lot of new, you know, they're helicopter parents and whatever. I was happy. I was happy the parents at the stars were pretty good. So um In general I would say that's probably a, a safe thing to say. It's just a high intensity environment, you know. Sometimes it gets the best people, sometimes And it's only gonna get worse, honestly, because it's 
sports get more competitive and kids start playing, you know, mm-hmm. less the less number of sports and concentrate on one and yep. funnel shit tons of money into these camps and programs. It's yeah. just I don't know. It's kind of scary to it's, think about yeah, how it's, it's going to get. Yeah, specialization and um, yeah. Ours was the first where they're like, if you want to play hockey at St. Joe, you should probably not try out for other stuff. And now it's kids like working with personal trainers and you know all that stuff. Christ of mercy. Power skating coach. Yeah. Or you could do Craig Lachlan's camp for seven thousand dollars an hour. It's so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Just to go to Sunday nights and give him like fifteen bucks. Right. Like, yeah. hey, cool. What? what uh, yeah. It's a co- it's like a freaking semester of college just yeah. to do a power skating class. So. Yep. You got anything else? No, I think that's it. Uh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much again for doing this. Yeah, Thanks. no, I mean, honestly, guys. like I said, I just want to say, th- one, thank you, because I never got to say thank you when no I was problem. 15, 16 years old. But somehow this goofy podcast that me and this guy do have kind of brought it all back full circle. So, one, I just want to say thank you, and two – uh, this was probably the most fun I had interviewing just because you knew all about that Baltimore atmosphere. And as a 15-year-old, you don't really see the full picture that's going on when you're playing. It's nice to hear about, you know, the parents and going on behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, hopefully my, you know, one day I can try and be a young coach who brings value to kids like you did to me. So appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, just uh, thanks for having me on. Keep doing it. Your guys' podcast is great. Thank um, you. A couple of my buddies are already listening, so uh, awesome. hopefully you'll keep growing yeah. it and yeah. get into coaching, man. It's 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 great. Yeah, it's if you want to make a difference, don't talk politics, don't talk shit. Go get on the front line. Go do something. You yeah. care about kids. So. Well said. Well said. Thank anyway, you. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Big thank you to Coach Tim. I thought that interview went really well. Uh, just really interesting for me to see, you know, how f- when you're younger and you don't understand uh, the bigger scale of things, you know, the parents, the interactions with the coach, the pressure that the coach has to deal with with the parents, the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's cool to see that all come, you know, unfold years later, eight years later to be exact. So uh, played a big part of my development, not only as a player but a person. So I just want to say thank you to him for not only that but coming onto the podcast as well. Yeah, I mean, that was an awesome interview. He gave some great insights about just coaching in general and all, like you touched on all the stuff that the coaches have to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not doing it for the money. So right. they're yeah. doing it for the love of the game. Big respect. Exactly. Uh, and we are going to segue that right into the State of the Union. So I will start with my Pittsburgh Penguins who literally look like a dumpster fire. Uh, So since the last time we spoke, the Penguins went on a two-game heater against the Senators and the Sabres. Hard not to do. I think my little sister's field hockey team could probably do that. Uh, But since then, they've gone on a little bit of a bender. Excuse me. Lost against the Caps on Saturday, 5-2. I have no comments on that game. Um, Crosby and Malkin scored. It was a typical Caps-Pens game. Didn't seem like our depth showed up. We looked slow. The Caps looked fast. Uh, it, It was... The first period got away from us. I think the second and third period were a little bit more even. It looked like we were probably going to make a push there in the third, but then Oshie sealed the deal with the fifth goal, so uh, that kind of screwed us. So one more meeting between the two teams in two weeks. Back in Pittsburgh should be interesting to see how it goes. And then the following day, we got murdered by the Hurricanes. Uh, you know, we just we have one afternoon game win this season, and that was the first game of the year between the Caps and the Pens in D.C., and that's it. We've lost every other single one. So something to keep an eye on for all you gamblers out there. Uh, The Hurricanes just looked much faster than us, way more disciplined. Brenda Moore was essentially shutting down the neutral zone in its entirety. We had no answer to break through. Everyone looked slow and lazy. 
Marlowe got his first goal as a pen, so that's good news. Uh, finally got that monkey off of his back, but thank God Nick Bukestad got hurt because he sucks. Um, and I don't really like to wish things bad things upon people, but my God, we are so much better without him. So uh, hopefully he doesn't come back. Nice. Uh, yeah, thanks. This week, uh, we have four games this week before the next time we chat. I said last week we needed three of the wins of the four games. We only came out with two. I'm going to say the same thing this week. We need three wins in these next four games. We play the Devils tonight in New Jersey, who always seem to play us hard and give us a rough time, especially when it's in Newark. So I'm not expecting great results from that. Uh, you would expect there to be a bounce-back performance, but this team is so bipolar, I don't know what to expect. Uh, Thursday night, we play the Blue Jackets in Columbus. Uh, so we're on a little bit of a road trip. The Blue Jackets are hungry for a playoff spot. We haven't played Elvis yet. Tortorella always hates us, and he plays us tough with his system. So should be interesting to see how that goes. Play Carolina on Saturday. I am really, really, really expecting a revenge game. Uh, that being said, the Hurricanes are a really good team, and their defense got absolutely bolstered at the deadline. So who knows? Uh, I might sprinkle a little bit on the Penguins just for revenge game purposes, but we'll see. And then we round it all out on Sunday, back in Pittsburgh finally, the only home game of the week against the New York Islanders who have looked horrible since the deadline. Seriously. I don't even know if they have a win. They might have one, but uh, I'm pretty sure they're winless. So that should be a win. But as always, Barry Trotz against the Penguins just somehow always seems to get it done. Uh, our next 12 games are against Metro opponents. That's yeah. it. 12 straight Metro opponents. So yeah. it's kind of like do or die now. I mean, I don't want to say – I've been so bipolar with them all year. I think they're a contender. I think they're a tanker. I don't understand what this team is doing. We just got to find some consistency, and there needs to be some consistent depth. Uh, you know, Marlowe – has a goal, but he hasn't really looked all that great. Uh, you know, I think Lafferty has looked incredible all year. I think he's got to have uh, – granted, he's a young player, but I think he needs to play a bigger role in these big-time games because he's got a big body. He can throw it around. He's got a six shot, as you Caps fans have seen, from yes. that one snipe in that yes. one game. Uh, Brian Rust, he's our leading goal scorer now. He needs to continue to do so. And the big guns just got to keep playing. Uh, that's really all there is to it. Matt Murray, I mean, he's – they're giving him all the starts in the world to take over the job. He's been really, really good at times, and he's been really, really shitty at times. I think the next four games tell us a lot. Uh, we could be out of a playoff spot if we drop all four. So I agree. Uh, if that happens, you know, it's been real, guys. Thanks for supporting the pod. <laughs> Um, moving on to the Caps, uh, tough week last week, disappointing loss against Philly, typical Caps Penguins game. Uh, you know, it was close at the beginning and then I went to take a piss, came back and Kevin Hayes had scored like three times. <laughs> so that's usually how those games against the Flyers go. I mean, they're the hottest team in the NHL right now. So that's just a tough loss. Uh, tough loss, as I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast against the Rangers last Thursday, they got beat by Mika Zibanejad and his five goal performance. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, when something like that happens, it's ridiculous. Uh, Caps fans know this all too well from the 98 cup final and Sergei Fedorov when he was with the wings, they did manage to tie that game with the goalie pulled again. I think that's the seventh time this year they've done that. I wonder what the record is. Um, Someone looked that up. And I think, you know, yes, they lost the game, but the important takeaway here is that they did push it to overtime and got a point. We're at the point right now where you can't be angry with getting one point in the standings. You might want to, but 
one's better than nothing. Uh, strong opening period against the Pens on Saturday resulted in a 5-2 to two road win. Uh, you know, I got pretty nervous when it was, what, 4-1? to one? Yes. Uh, and then... You, didn't, the, you, you were not satisfied. And then the Penguins made it 4-2, to two and I just, you know, it was like I, I was having getting excited. flashbacks. And then uh, Oshie sealed the deal, which was nice. So good road win for them. The passing looked competent for the first time in what feels like months. That was great. They generated a ton of odd man rushes, just uh, yep. exposing the second and third uh, defensive pairings of Pittsburgh, which was fantastic. Not hard to do. And that's something that they need to continue to do, it definitely going into the playoffs. Yep. Uh, they lost at Buffalo yesterday, which was Monday. Same sort of thing. You know, they were able to push that game to overtime and gain a valuable point. That is absurd. I knew as soon they, you know, as soon as it went to overtime, I was like, you know, Buffalo's going to win. They are built for the like the extra period and the shootout. Yeah. If you, they could play through and through, they might actually be good. Right. Just give Eichel the puck and, right. you know, hold, <laughs> the rest hold on history. for dear life. Uh, this week, they really, really need two points out of all three of these games. They have Detroit at home on Thursday. They have Chicago at home on Saturday. And they have Edmonton at home on Monday. Ooh. Those three need to be wins. You know, as you you know, you said and I've said, we're you know, you need to pick up points now. Like this the is the Oilers. time to do it. I like know. the Oilers in that game, and they always play us tough. Yeah. Um, my takeaways from this week are going to be the obviously tough losses against Philly and the Rangers. Impressive win against the Penguins, but the key here is just this week they need to pick up wins and they need to be consecutive wins if this team is going to continue with their momentum forward. <laughs> Completely off topic. I got a quote today because I'm trying to book my summer vacation nice. in, in uh, Miami for the summer. And I got a quote on an exotic car rental because I really want to like get a convertible. It's been my dream to like drive one. And this guy's calling me right now. <laughs> he's trying to. He's gonna leave me a voicemail. I'll be like, hey, yeah. said, hello, this is blah 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 from Exotic Car Rentals. It's like five. Did you know? Fun fact. It's like eighteen hundred dollars to rent a Lamborghini Aventador for one day. Yeah, I'm not surprised. That's absurd. Yeah. I'm not looking well, at that. Well, I mean, like, think about it. Like, who would be like, yeah, I'm going to buy this car and then rent it to people yeah. who don't own it? No. I, yeah. I, oh, he's texting me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I got, I wanted to get a quote on an Audi R8. Okay. It's going to be a lot. Eh. I mean, no, it's going to be like, yeah. it's going to be like $2,500. Yeah. I feel I like you do could that. do better. I'm a gearhead, so. You're you a know. gearhead? Yeah, big time. If they do the American class, like, they, they can do Mustangs or Camaros, they, right? They could do like a, a, a souped up Camaro for like 300 a day. For me, I'll take it. If I took it for like a day or two, it'd probably be worth it just so I could say I did it. Right. But I can't do twenty like twenty eight hundred dollars. I go bankrupt. No, that's ridiculous. No. And you don't need to do that. Got totally off. Plus, topic you're gonna there. be. Dr- it's not like you're gonna be on like a track with it. So the Camaro is gonna do the exact same thing as the R eight, anyways. Yes. Uh, uh, he wants to contact me. Oh. Okay. We'll see how that goes. Maybe he sorry. Wants something got off. other than the car. <laughs> um, moving on to who's hot and who's not. As I just mentioned, the Philadelphia Flyers are the hottest team in the NHL, and they stay red hot. They are nine one and zero in their last ten. They have won nine in a row, and Carter Hart is the first goalie in NHL history under the age of 22 with multiple seven-game win streaks in the same season. Yeah, he's sick. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely he, – he is the, no pun intended, Hart candidate for the Flyers this year if yes. every team were to have one. So for sure. Good for him. 
Uh, Vegas, they're 8-2-0 in their last 10, and they shot right back up to the top of the Pacific where we expected them to be. And they're pulling away. They have yep. a five-point lead cushion right now, and this is pretty much going to end up exactly like we thought it would. Yep. Uh, the St. Louis Blues are 8-2-0 in their last 10, and they get their best player back soon, as we mentioned. And seemingly out of nowhere, the Kings have won six in a row and are 7-2-1 in their last 10. All you underdog gamblers out there, you're going to like that, so keep an eye on the Kings. Oh, yeah. In terms of who's not, the Buffalo Sabres are 2-8-0 in their last 10 games. Nice, thank uh, aside from that, they're also having trouble staying on their feet as they, you know, trip themselves by running into the boards. <laughs> the ghost that decked Rasmus Ristolainen right. in the game against the Penguins. Priceless guys... clip. If you guys haven't seen that, go check that one out. Yep. Uh, Why are the Penguins on here? They were on there last week. 3-7-0 and in their last 10. Well, you were the one that was just bashing on them. Saying yeah, it's yeah. enough. They don't need to be on the who's not. <laughs> Delete. Dallas has kind of cooled off a lot. 3-4-3 uh, three, yes. three in their last 10. That's not the production... Uh, you know, where they want to be, especially, I think they're third in the central. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, they are third in the central. Yeah, they do not want to fall out of a playoff position. And just like the next team on this list, the New York Islanders, as of right now, they're out of it. Yeah. So Tony and Vinny ain't too happy. Right, yeah. Uh, No, that sucks for the Isles. I mean, it looked like that Pajot trade was going to put them over the hump and make a serious push, and they have absolutely sucked since. They were leading the Metro at one point this season, right? Yeah, they were. Uh, Well, yeah. Remember when we – wasn't it like November? We had an they episode did, titled, The like Islanders a, Are Hot. They they went on like a 22-game point streak yeah. and won like 19 of them. Yeah. So just goes to show you how things change. Uh, and yeah, I mean, sucks for all you Long Islanders out there. I mean, I kind of want to see the Islanders in the playoffs because I, I do think too, the Collie is And all electric. the games are going to be there this year, which is nice. I'd rather have them in than the fucking Blue Jackets. Same. Whatever. Yeah, or the fucking Hurricanes, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on to first liner versus fourth liner. My first liner is going to be UC Soros, the goaltender, used to be backup goaltender, but now starter for the Nashville Predators. The Predators are now in the second wildcard spot and have clawed their way back from the abyss that is in large part to UC Soros. Uh, right now he is 16-12-4 and four on the season, which might not sound that impressive, uh, but nine of those wins have come in the last two months, so that has been key That's for the big. Predators. In that span, or actually for the season, rather, he has a 9-1-3 save percentage and a 2.72 GAA. The GAA isn't all that impressive. Uh, I think some of that is skewed from the start of the season. Uh, but the 9-1-3 has definitely come up a long way from what he started yep. at the start of the year. So for sure. Good for him. Good for the Predators. The Predators puck line is almost back, maybe. We'll see. Uh, my, my first liner is going to be Gabriel Landeskog of the Colorado Avalanche. He has nine points in his last five games. Wow. That's some serious production, which is what you would expect for a guy that's playing on that team. Uh, and if Max injury is, you know, serious, that's, I mean, he's going to have to step up yeah, again. Big time. He really has evolved as a, a, a bona fide star, not superstar, but star. I mean, he's yes. a solid offensive powerhouse. Yeah. And I feel like he's really taken on – what was he, drafted in 2011, I think? He was the third pick? Yes. Uh, great. I mean, that's just good for him, man. I mean, I, I didn't think he was all that good at the start of his career, but he's definitely evolved. I thought he was slow, and it looks like he's gotten a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, so good for him. Which is one of those guys that's developed and has risen to the yeah. challenge of, you know, I mean, he was the number one center there for a while, so. Right. Yep. Who you have for fourth liner? All right, that's my turn now. <laughs> Whoops. I'm going to have the first ball. I'm looking at Nick. I'm like, 
It's like, speak, idiot. You got to talk, yeah. Uh, the first Boston Bruin to be a fourth liner this year. Ooh. Jack Edwards. Oh, <laughs> good answer. Jack Edwards is my fourth yeah. liner for the week. He sucks. He yeah. sucks. We, we have, we've talked about this. We hate this guy with a burning passion. But that's why, that's why you love him, yeah. right? So we are actually going to – I don't even need – I'll give you guys the context afterwards. We're going to insert the clip uh, from the fight night in Boston right here. So as you can see, Jack Edwards is probably the most biased announcer in sports. Uh, the comments section on the YouTube video are either death threats or invitations to his eulogy. Yes. Uh, so, you know... <laughs> He's take oh your God. Harvard He's degree such, to the hospital. Right. What a freak. He's such a clown. The best yeah. part was he he says that Chara is going to take him into the afterlife and then Maroon body slams Chara right. as the cameraman flips it while he's saying that. I'm like, you sound like a moron, right? He's such a homer. He's typical Boston. It, yeah. This is just this is everybody that's from that freaking place. It, it's so typical. It drives me absolutely bonkers. I don't know how this guy still has a job. There's, Actually, I do know why yeah. because it's the Stephen A. Smith effect. Yes, he's so outlandish that He's so everybody bad listens. that everyone listens. Yes. Uh, and if you ever want to see like a compilation of how bad he is, just go on YouTube and type in like Jack Edwards Homer, oh. and like the first like ten videos that pop up. Are probably like 15 minutes long just i mean it's atrocious he wishes pain on people yeah it's actually impressive no i mean i would that's one person who's very high up on my list of people i want to punch in the face <laughs> yeah. yeah no surprise there who's your fourth liner uh my fourth liner is going to be tyler sagan he only has two points in his last five games and as i mentioned earlier the dallas stars have cooled off a lot and i think a large part of that has been his lack of production. He hasn't had a really big year either. No. So a second time in three years that he's been called out by management too. Yes. So, uh, so something to keep an eye on. Definitely. I think I say that way too much, but that's all we say every week. It's okay. Yeah. Keep your eye on it. Right, keep your eye yeah. on it. I'm like, someone's going to cut my eyelid like Johnny Boychuk right. over here. I'm going to make sure you keep your eyes on it. Uh, picks for this week. Actually, let's recap last week first. I always do that. Uh, last week went two and one. I think you went three and zero. So a pretty good week for the yeah. boys. Five and one total as a team. Uh, my puck line last week. I had the Oilers over the Blue Jackets on Saturday night. That hit. Uh, the money line. Uh, the Avalanche at the Canucks on Friday night. That missed. But I also had the over in that game, which was at six and a half. And the Canucks won six three. So I hit the over in that game. So two and one for me on the week. Nice. My puck line was the Flyers versus the Sabres on Saturday. That hit. My money line was the Wild at the Sharks on Thursday. That hit. And my over-under was the Hurricanes at Islanders on Saturday. And that hit. Yeah. Solid week for you. Yeah. Uh, and then this week, my money line pick, I have the Bruins over the Buffalo Sabres in Buffalo on Friday. If this was in the Garden, I would not take it. But because it's in Buffalo... <sighs> I know the Bruins are going to be heavy favorites. I just don't know how heavy. I would say uh, if it's 
if it's any higher than minus 170, uh, if it was any higher than minus 180, I'm not taking it. I really usually don't make picks that hefty. Um, but the Buffalo Sabres are a dumpster fire and the Bruins are a wagon. I think this is just a match made in heaven for the Bruins to get like a 3 nothing road win where they play the perfect road game and execute defensively. So I'm going to take the Bruins on the money line, uh, minus 180 or better. If it's worse than that, stay shy. Nice. Uh, my money line is going to be the Devils versus the Hurricanes on Thursday. The Devils have been putting together some great games as of late. Underdog. The butcher injury might hamper this a little bit, but I think you're going to get really good odds with them being on the road. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Putting the balls on the table. Yeah, I like why not? It. Sure. Uh, my puck line. I'm going to have the Avalanche over the Canucks in Colorado on Friday. If this sounds familiar, it's because I had two bets on these two teams matching up last week in Vancouver. Uh, Avalanche got their shit kicked in, so this is the revenge game. This one is also in Colorado. Uh, and McKinnon, I think, based on the reports I'm reading, should be back. Even if he's not, I'm still going to take it. Uh, Avalanche over the Canucks in Colorado on Friday on the puck line. Nice. My puck line is going to be the Los Angeles Kings. You are riding the bottom five teams today. They are red hot as of late, and they are going to host the Ottawa Senators on Wednesday. I'm liking the Kings on the puck line in that matchup. Nice. Uh, My over-under, I believe this is probably my most confident pick of the week. I'm going to have the Capitals versus the Blackhawks on Saturday night in Washington. I am going to hammer that over. These two teams are one of the probably two of the four best teams to bet the over on. The other two, I would say, are the Leafs and the Panthers. Um, Yes. But these two teams, this is a match made in heaven. Uh, I think it's going to be at six and a half. There's a chance it could go up to seven. I don't give a shit. Put your balls on the table. Be a big boy. Bet the over. Took the words right out of my mouth because I have the exact same pick. I like this one a lot. This just screams goal-scoring factory to me. And as for all of our fans that have been listening for a while, no, me and Nick do not tell each other our picks before the episode, so that is not planned. Uh, So, yeah, we both are going to be hammering the over-under on Saturday night uh, for the Caps versus the Hawks. So that concludes our episode. Uh, We appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the interview, and we have some more of those coming Uh, probably in the coming weeks. We didn't get to book any more on Saturday, unfortunately, but we have some people who are interested in coming on, and we're going to work on some scheduling to make sure that we get what we need before the playoffs start, basically. Definitely. uh, You're going away, aren't you? I am. I'm going down to Florida. I'm flying down very early Friday morning. You motherfucker. Yeah. How long are you there for a week? Pretty much, yeah. Nice. It's going to be nice. Going to visit uh, my grandfather for a little bit and then get to do some diving, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, look like a Dan Hershey bar when you get back. Oh, yeah, baby. So, uh, yeah, that will do it for us this week. We will see you guys in the next one. And without further ado. Class dismissed. Well, it started out Down a dirty road Started out All alone And the sun went down As across the hill And the town lit up 
the world gets still I'm learning 